0: Welcome to the Making Kids Count podcast brought to you by Kentucky Youth Advocates, where we sit down with policymakers, community leaders, and youth to discuss ideas to make Kentucky the best place to be young. Now here's your host, Terry Brooks. Hey there partners. I uh, hope you had a great Labor Day. As you know, for uh, over a hundred weeks, we've been doing a, a regular Wednesday partner forum. Uh, at 10 o'clock. We felt like this week it was important to go ahead and uh, get you information and a call to action uh, earlier than that. And uh, As you know, uh, today Tuesday uh, a special session is convened. In in fact, I'm cutting this video at 10 o'clock somewhat symbolically because the House is convening right now. A couple caveats before we get into a specific call for action. First of all anyone who tells you that they know the flow of this special session, how many days it's going to be, how long it's going to be, what areas uh, comprehensively are going to be covered, well they're just whistling in the dark Uh, I don't even think that legislative leaders and the governor totally know the flow of the session. So it is important that you stay tuned, that you pay attention as movement in Frankfurt develops. That's number one. Number two, I need to say that a lot of our thinking as we approach this special session hinges on feasibility. How do we take what is a very polarizing, very ideological issue vis-a-vis the pandemic and construct viable policy solutions to protect and support Kentucky's kids. An overarching theme that you're going to hear us talk about is the need for local autonomy and local control mixed with some standard of quality assurance, you you get the dilemma right. We know that there are best practices out there. Whether that uh, involves who should wear a mask and when you should wear a mask, uh, who should get vaccinated, when they should get vaccinated. Uh, there's there's good evidence as to what works and what doesn't work. Uh, don't believe the propaganda that would tell you that nobody really knows. Uh, what does work and what doesn't work. By the same token, we understand the need for local autonomy and control. We know that what is relevant in one community may not be viable in another community. We know that conditions in terms of this phase of the pandemic are going to vary. That, that one county has this level of COVID while another county has a very different scene. So we wanna give local communities, local schools, local county judge executives, we wanna give them a lot of autonomy, but we also wanna make sure that there is a standard that is based on facts. So you're gonna hear us talk, for instance, about a, a rubric around masking. Our premise on that is that a county that is deeply in the red should ascribe to different standards than a county that is yellow or green. To me, that is common sense. That's not a a political statement. So our purpose in this particular transmittal is to tell you where we are at the moment as the special session convenes. And let me be very clear, we have conveyed these ideas to legislative leaders and to the governor and to key senior advisors within the Bashir administration. We believe they are viable, feasible. We believe they represent a common ground, common sense, common agenda. Uh, there's not politics or ideology uh, in these recommendations. The other thing I would say to you is that we would never suggest that we have the answer. You may have an idea that is better than anything you're gonna hear from me today, and we want you to advocate for that idea. We also want you to share it with us. But we've gotta begin somewhere, right? So I wanna lay out four buckets of ideas, and what we're asking is that, that you own those buckets, that you decide what issue is animating you. You decide what policy arena you believe is the imperative, and then you convey that. You convey that to Governor Bashir, to President Stivers, to Speaker Osborne. You convey that to your state senator and your state representative. Five calls, five emails, five communications. The governor, the president of the Senate, the Speaker of the House, your Senator, your Representative. That's what Kentucky's kids need each of you to do. So let's begin. The most dense bucket, as you would guess, is in the K-12 arena. So let's just start with that. It gets a little in the weeds. I'm telling you that ahead of time, so kind of hang in with me. And when we think about the K-12 bucket, the first thing that comes to mind is what I already alluded to, some kind of a rubric or guidance around masking. Again, we are strong believers in local autonomy, but the superintendents and the principals to whom we've spoken would welcome that guidance. Not control, not mandates, but guidance. I mean, common sense, again, would suggest that conditions for masking in a school district that is in a red county, especially for those younger kids who cannot be vaccinated, that should look very, very different than in a school that might be in a green zone county, and we're talking about 12 to 18 year olds who could be vaccinated. So so think about that. Think about a a high school in in a green county with a high vaccination rate among those students and compare that to an elementary school where kids cannot be vaccinated in a red county. Again, those situations, those environments need to look differently Superintendents need to be able to make that decision, but superintendents should expect guidance, counsel, and good advice from our legislators and the administration. So a rubric around masking is a number one priority for the General Assembly. The second arena that that we feel like is so important is to incentivize best practices. One of the practices in South Central Kentucky that is gaining traction is called test and stay, which is that if there is a positive test uh, found in a classroom, the kids in that classroom are tested. And if they test negative, they get to stay in school. Obviously, if they test positive, uh, they have to quarantine. Uh, Right now, uh, one of my granddaughters A fifth grader is is not at school today and she tested negative but because of close contact with a positive she's at home if she were at a school that was using test and stay she would be at home today we know that there are best practices out there again local control is important but we believe that the General Assembly and the governor can incentivize those kind of models for school districts to adopt. And if we're talking about best practices, we know that, that at some point this year, most students inevitably are going to be involved in non-traditional instruction, NTI. There's probably no facet of the K-12 experience during the pandemic that has more variability than NTI. We have heard examples of just outstanding efforts, where kids are engaged, instruction is relevant, uh, achievement is real. We've also heard the antithesis of that. Again, local autonomy, school districts should and must construct their own NTI model. But folks, we need again to incentivize school districts to use best practices because we want high-quality NTI options out there for every kid in every school district. So that notion that blending of local control and incentivizing good practices makes a lot of sense. There are available funds So yet, let's use those funds in a way to to make school districts entrepreneurial, to invite school districts to ascribe to those best practices. Another arena that we believe to be imperative is for the General Assembly, the Governor, the State Board of Education, and Commissioner Glass to tackle accountability and assessment. We simply cannot have high-stakes, punitive accountability looming over teachers and principals this school year. And you know how that goes. How many times do you hear a teacher saying, I'm doing something because of the test this spring? Well, that's bad practice in the best of times. We should not ever be putting teachers and principals in that box, but especially this year. So again, we're calling upon our state leaders to take that off the table. Now, that doesn't mean that assessment is not important. In fact, maybe more important today than ever before. But that assessment needs to be to assess and to measure individual student progress, to see what kind of gaps or academic slides have occurred and correct those. It's all about supporting students It shouldn't be about punishing schools. We believe that's a real common agenda item with Senate and House leaders, the Board of Education, State Board of Education. Uh, We know the Lieutenant Governor and Governor are on board with that, so let's push that ahead. And speaking of accountability and assessment, everyone talks about the importance of emotional and social supports for kids we could not agree more. What we know is that there are instrumentation available that actually assesses how kids are doing. A number of Northern Kentucky districts, as well as Eastern Kentucky districts, are actually really attending to assessing where kids and cohorts of kids stand on social and emotional wellness. Again, local control, but we want to incentivize those kind of supports. We want to make sure that districts have the tools to accurately assess how this individual kid and how that group of kids are doing at this phase in the pandemic, at this phase in the school year. Finally, when we think about the K-12 sector, we know there are unprecedented supports available around emotional and behavioral health, both from post-COVID relief in Washington, some Medicaid drawdown opportunities. Again, this is not about mandates. This is about making sure that we promote best practices, that we incentivize schools to take advantage of opportunities that are on the table. So I warned you, the K-12 bucket is the most extensive Uh, it's the deepest it's probably the most in the weeds but we want you to dig into that We, we want you to think about your local school your local school system talk to the principal talk to teachers talk to the superintendent talk to your board members see where their heads and hearts are and then respond to that by communicating with those folks we mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast so let's leave the K-12 sector for a moment. Let's look at three other sectors. I promise they're much more focused. Criminal justice. I mean, what's that have to do with kids? Well, what it has to do with kids is that over 100,000 kids in Kentucky have a mom or dad locked up. And we know that, that one of the most negative results of this pandemic has been lack of connection between those little boys and girls and their moms and dads. We believe that it is so important to put resources to think about best practices when it comes to kids and parents staying connected. That's a tough proposition in normal times. It's become a daggone crisis during the pandemic. Uh, Again, we know there are local practices that are overcoming that barrier and we do not want those local practices to be isolated or random. So in the area of criminal justice, if if that's an arena that, that grabs you, what we would ask you to do is send the message that in the midst of a lot of headlining issues, an issue that has not gotten talked about nearly enough is how do we maintain contact with those more than a hundred thousand kids and their parents who are locked up. There are ways to do it, and we need to do it for every kid. Another arena that needs your attention is in child welfare. That really comes in two facets. And again, let me stress that Secretary Friedlander, DCBS Commissioner Marta Miranda Straub, and legislative leaders are very much, very much on the same page. We know that for kids in care, we have to think hard about practices and resources around foster youth, kinship families, and residential care facilities. Uh, we want you to encourage those legislators and the Bashir administration to frankly continue doing what they're doing, making exceptions, trying to come up with promising practices, making sure that whether that's a foster family or a kinship family, they receive targeted COVID-based supports during this time. The other area around child welfare that scares me to death is around maltreatment. We know that detecting and reporting abuse and neglect is especially challenging during COVID times with more isolation, potential for shutdowns. We know that the results during the last year and a half have not been good in terms of reliability in terms of protecting kids so again that that whole arena of abuse and neglect both preventing detecting and mitigating is a focus that legislators and the Bashir administration need to hear from you make this a priority the final sector so k-12 Criminal justice, child welfare, is around early childhood. There are a number of areas and facets that, that we could talk about, but I want to single out child care. And, and we know, we have all learned during this pandemic, that child care plays a vital role in the well being of individual kids. It plays a vital role in the well being of families, and it plays a really vital role in local economies. So, how do we make sure that kids have quality child care, families have accessible child care, and local businesses have employees whose kids are well cared for in child care? Now, again, there are lots of good ideas out there. I I want to suggest two uh, around we'd love for you to rally. One of those is using available resources. And let me reiterate, there are plenty of available resources because of federal relief right now. We need to build up childcare, the workforce. Limitations around capacity have more to do with workforce right now than COVID. We believe there are ways to incentivize retention of current employees and attract new employees. So real resources, a bundle of real resources, need to be put in that employee staff connection with childcare. The other very realistic and very reasonable support that could be offered to this sector is to take parental copay off the table. We have the money to do that. And that simply would remove a barrier and hurdle that many parents face, certainly a disincentive for many parents to go back to work. So those two thoughts would be a boom for young children, a boom for families, and a real boom for local economies. K-12 bucket, criminal justice bucket, the child welfare bucket, the early childhood slash child care bucket. Maybe you want to take all four of those on, and that's great. Or maybe, because of your professional affiliation or personal experience, you're drawn to one or two of those buckets. Again, that's great. But what I would stress to you is that Kentucky's kids need you to act. And this is not one of those regular General Assembly sessions where you have weeks, yea, verily, months to act. You have hours to act. So when you see this, embrace it. You certainly can go to our website to learn more about the issues at play, to see our formal statements with a little more in-depth information about each of these ideas, and then act. Again, Kentucky's kids need you to interact with five folks. The governor, President Stivers, Speaker Osborne, your state senator, your state representative Kentucky's kids are counting on this special session to make a difference for them and that means they're counting on you thank you for listening to the making kids count podcast with Terry Brooks For more information and to listen to more episodes, visit kyouthorg slash podcast. Kentucky Youth Advocates is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who doesn't accept government money so that we can remain truly independent. To support this podcast and our mission as the independent voice for Kentucky kids, please consider making a gift at kyyouth.org slash donate.